So Catholic social doctrine, now that we know what it is and especially what it's not, which I, I, I just love the busting myths. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, there are there are really seven basic themes, right, mm-hmm. of Catholic social doctrine. A lot of folks have known it as Catholic social teaching. Mm-hmm. What? Why do you kind of make the difference between doctrine and teaching? Yeah, that's a good a good question. I think Catholic social teaching is used pretty commonly in our verbiage today, and I feel because it's been hijacked in some ways. To me, Catholic social doctrine is just a little bit more authentic of a term. It nods to the fact that uh, Catholic social doctrine is related to the gospel, that it's related to God's commandments, that it's related to our sense of justice toward God to be able to enter into it. It's it's rooted in the richness of, of the history of the church. It's brought to life in the vi- with vibrancy in the lives of the saints. Uh, so it just, it's very deeply rooted. That's yeah. why I use that term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the seven main themes of Catholic social doctrine. First one being the life and dignity of the human person. That's... I have a feeling that there's a reason that that's the number one. Yes, yes. I talk when I talk about Catholic social doctrine, I talk about it kind of like a house, and the life and dignity of the human person is the foundation of the house. Oh yeah. We have the foundation of the house. We have the different rooms of the house, and then we have things like electricity and light going through them. So I, I talk about the themes as the rooms, the foundation, and the rooms. There are actually uh, several principles of Catholic social doctrine, which I relate to, like electricity going through the house, water, you know, kind of that lifeblood flowing throughout all of all of the different rooms. But the foundation of that house is the life and dignity of the human person. Like nothing stands Correct. if you don't have that as your foundation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, you know, if you've got kids and you read the three little pigs and the pig, you know, b- built his house out yeah. of this, this, and this, but man, the one that withstood the storm, yes. the one that... All of your decisions are in in our world in Catholic Charities of Acadiana. Um, everything that is like make or break. If if you don't have, if you're not making a decision out of honoring someone's God given dignity, they were they were conceived with this dignity, and no poor decision making, no illness, no condition, nothing can take away that dignity. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Sometimes we, we don't live dignified lives. Sometimes we don't make decisions that are in line with the dignity with which we've been created. But the fact that we are dignified because we have been created by God who is love and God who loves us and who has created us out of love. That is that that human dignity is an absolute simply because we are mm-hmm. because we are created created and loved by him. So what does life and dignity of the human person, what does that look like in the fabric of our society? Yeah, great question. It looks like knowing and believing that every person is precious Mm -hmm. from conception to natural death. It looks like people being more important than things. It looks like people in the home being more important than the the designer decor of the home Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the expense of the person. It looks like people deriving their value from their God-given dignity versus deriving their value from how useful they are. 
Yeah, that's that's what it looked like. I ha- I would have to say Catholic Charities of Acadiana. We we talk about that all the time. The dignity of the human person. What that looks like for us. It looks like, regardless of of who walks through our door and how they walk through our door, we smile at them. We greet them with dignity. We speak to them with respect. We allow their voice to be heard in terms of what they would like for their own life and, and what next steps they would like to take. I, I even think about um, people first language, which is mm. um, it is the way that we speak about those that we serve. Um, it's a way that um, gives them or reminds them of their dignity. Uh, when we say that someone is in an experience of homelessness, instead of saying they are homeless, right. that may seem like a small thing, uh, maybe even insignificant to folks who are listening. But um, saying that you are homeless, that's that's like saying there's they're shame attached to that. Right. Their uh, personhood is not defined by their situation. Their personhood is defined by their personhood. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. They're, they are a person. They are a man. They are a woman yes. who is in an experience of homelessness. Yes. They are in an experience of hunger. They are a disaster survivor. Um, they are a, a human being who is experiencing uh, loss. Um, you're not defined by the loss. You're not defined by the yes. hunger. You're a human being. You mm-hmm. were born that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yes. And they, talking about someone being created in the image and likeness of God, sometimes that seems a little far out there. Like, what does that mean? You know. And we know that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one triune God, one God, three persons, and that social nature of God, that's one of the things that that uh, being created in the image and likeness of God means for human beings. We are social in nature. We have intellect. We have will. We are called to active, to be active, as God is active, not passive. We are called to participate in our in our own lives and creative work and, and bringing forth society. Um, and so all of those things when we honor the dignity of a human person, we call them out and we call them up to what their dignity mm. is. Yeah. Yeah. So first, first tenet, tenet, first theme is the life and dignity of the human person. Um, second one, and this, uh, this is one that is very um, close to me as a father, but mm-hmm. uh, the preferential option for the poor and the vulnerable. Mm. What what does that mean? Tell me first, why is it close to you as a father? Because um, my children, um, I love my children, each one of them, totally and fully. Um, don't say it enough, but um, like I, I, kind of going off of the dignity piece, like there's nothing that my kids can do to lose the love that I have mm. for them. Um no matter how disappointing things might be, failures, or e- even things that they do well, it's not going to make me love them anymore. Um, however, um, if, if I've got a child who skins his knee or one mm-hmm. that is sick, um, even though I love each one of my boys totally and fully, I'm going to give the one that's hurting, I'm going I'm to give him my attention and yes. I'm and I'm and, and I'm going to give him uh, increased care uh, yes. because he is in need of it. Yeah, there you go. There I think is. you just 
There Painted it is. the picture. Number three. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, I think that that is a perfect, perfect understanding of that. We instinctively, if there's a little old man walking across the street, fumbling with groceries and a walker and traffic yeah. is coming, it is our instinct. This is a natural law written into our hearts that yeah. we recognize that person is vulnerable. That person is danger of being hurt or exploited, can't provide for their own need to get across the street quickly. And we jump up to do something to help and protect that individual. So that, that right there is just a very common example of mm -hmm. what preferential preferential option for the poor and vulnerable vulnerable means the poor actually the church defines it as someone who does not have the resources necessary for a dignified existence so this is something like basic housing clean water yeah food we have we, there are there are a number of things that we need for a basic human existence, dignified human existence. Um, poor is also defined as someone who doesn't have the ability or what they, the resources they need to fulfill their duty, which that's, people don't really think about that as, as being poor. Um, and the poor is also defined as the ability to participate or someone who does not have the ability to participate fully in the community and society. So that's a very robust definition of what it means to be poor and someone who is vulnerable is defined as someone who's at risk of being harmed and exploited without the ability to to advocate for themselves yeah and so i think of a, a little baby you have a little baby a little baby is completely dependent on you if you mm -hmm. leave that little baby in the middle of the the sidewalk let's say or you go to a school and leave your baby in the middle of the gym floor you know and all the kids are running around that baby is vulnerable and can't yep. provide for their own uh, they can't protect themselves and so that is who we as a church seek to reach out to out of justice mm -hmm. justice to those yes. so the this is not an yes the way that it should be yes yes and that that, that is why it's of concern to us what's happening on a political level, what's happening in terms of laws, what's happening in terms of all of those aspects of society, because those who are experiencing poverty in any of the ways that we mentioned do not have the ability to maybe make their voice heard um, in, in, the, in that context, and those laws affect, affect everyone, affect everyone, and sometimes most significantly those who are experiencing yep. poverty. Mm -hmm. And we are called as uh, men and women of faith, not just people who work for Catholic Charities of Acadiana, uh, but to speak up, to advocate, mm -hmm. um, to um, ask your elected officials what they are doing for those who are, who are suffering, who are mm -hmm. poor and vulnerable, as the church would say. Mm -hmm. um, I think, um, I think we, Throughout the, the programs of Catholic Charities of Acadia, just to highlight a few of them, are food and nutrition uh, programs. Mm -hmm. St. Joseph Diner and FoodNet Food Bank. Um, something as simple as a, as a meal. We yeah. live in South Louisiana. It, it, it is <laughs> we're hard. good at we, food. We, we're good at food, but we can debate a lot of things uh, about whether or not somebody should be... Um, should have a place to 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 sleep. I've heard I've heard people say, "Man, if he just gets a job." We've talked about that before. Um, but for somebody who is having to make a decision between um, putting food on the table or buying medicine or mm. buying insulin or paying uh, their electric bill, paying their electric or bill, putting gas in their car to get to work, those kinds of things. That's a mm. that's a real tough spot, and yeah, that puts is. somebody in a position where. Um, 
we are called we're called to 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 step out and and put a, a preferential option mm-hmm. um, on on someone who is in that state of suffering. Yes, and so um, that's just kind of part of how that uh, theme is is lived out through our work. Yes, yes, absolutely, and that allows the the gross the example of a food net that you gave uh, then allows that person to focus maybe on other areas of needs mm-hmm. to participate as we, as we talked about that we are called to participate in community and society to participate certainly in our own lives and if someone does does not if, if people are choosing between two different needs there's an inability there yeah but if we can provide for one of those basic needs then they can fully exercise their participation their duty in their own life in other areas of need yeah mm-hmm. amen Okay, the third theme uh, that we'll kind of run over today, solidarity. When I think of solidarity, my first thought is um, uh, people who are in a a struggle, uh, whether it be poverty, whether it be uh, an experience of homelessness, hunger, uh, some kind of, you know, suffering. Um, just the, the isolation, the loneliness that's attached to that feeling like I'm, I'm going through this alone. Um, and there's no one who understands and there's no one who's in my corner. Mm. Um, how does solidarity play into those seven kind of themes Mm -hmm. of Catholic social teaching? So solidarity is the understand that understanding that we, all of us are always in relationship with God and always relationship with one another. And, as Catholics, this is why the sacrament of confession mm-hmm. is so significant, because we know that when we sin, also when we love and we live in holiness, but let's focus on sin for a second. When we sin, that always wounds me, who is sinning, and it always wounds the body of Christ, whether or not my sin is seen or known or recognized. And this is because of the idea of solidarity. We are all connected with one another. Even in this Catholic understanding we put on those Catholic worldview glasses, we know that we have the church militant who is here fighting on earth for, for heaven. We have the church triumphant, which is our saints in heaven, right? We, we are connected. This is the one body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ, and then the church suffering in purgatory. So solidarity is larger than just what exists here on this physical earth. Solidarity is we are united with the whole community of saints living and dead. And, uh, but in related relation with our earth, right? Earth, our um, earthly existence here, solidarity means that I am in relation to my brother, whether or not that brother is next to me at the table or whether or not that brother is across the world in another country. And in our global society today, we're so much more aware of that because we see it. We see it on social media. We see, we hear about it on the radio. It's very much in our faces where we're very much, we, we understand that the good Samaritan story in scripture is really a lived example of what that looks like. The Samaritan going, you know, going on his way on his journey and seeing this man on the side of the road beaten and bloodied. The Good Samaritan doesn't know who this is, doesn't particularly have a duty per se to provide for that person because it's not his family member, you know, but he knows that that is still his his brother in yep. need of 
of assistance. And so the Good Samaritan goes and he not only tends the man's wounds, but he puts him in, in and cares, you know, pays for his, uh, her, his care to take place and whatnot. And so this is the idea of solidarity, the Good Samaritan walking by someone he doesn't know, but recognizing he has a responsibility still yep. to that person. We are our brother's keepers. Yep. Amen. Um, next, and he, I, th- I think the further we get into, even for you know Catholic school grads like me, um, <laughs> you, you get into themes that you may not know a whole lot about. Yeah. Um, so this fourth one here, care for God's creation. Yes. Um, are we now environmentalists? <laughs> That's a good. It, it is. It is. This is one of the ones that I had to seek to understand a little bit more because it doesn't seem to directly relate to people, sure, right? Sure. <laughs> so, but care for God's creation means that we recognize that creation was created by God for us, mm-hmm. right? Out of His goodness for us. I think of my little child who has created a beautiful piece of artwork, mm-hmm. and you know is so excited to show me this piece of artwork and how much delight that child takes in that creation, right? But we know that all that God has created is for us either for our enjoyment, for beauty, or for our sustenance, mm-hmm. right? The, to, till, to till the ground, to, to bring forth the fruit of the earth from the ground to sustain us, this is a gift given by God, and it is necessary for human, for human existence. So again, the child who presents this art to me, so proud, if that child's sibling comes in and rips up that piece of art or rides over that piece of art with their bicycle, mm-hmm. this is devastating to the child, right? Yeah. So in the same way, God giving us this beautiful gift of creation if we steward it well, we are reverencing the creator. We are reverencing him. If we don't steward it well, we are, you know, basically throwing it in his face, <laughs> ripping us his beautiful piece of art. But beyond that, we are social beings. Everything that we do does have an impact on the body of Christ and on our on humanity. We, in terms of creation, I feel like we understand this a little bit less in Lafayette, Louisiana than maybe in, say, the Philippines. Mm-hmm. But there are cultures, especially those who are experiencing poverty, who rely on the land and the sea for their sustenance. If I don't go out to the sea and catch my my net full of fish, I don't eat. If I don't uh, have success in in farming, you know, whatever, even here in South Louisiana, crawfish, rice, right? Like if this is my livelihood, then I don't eat and, or my neighbor doesn't eat. And so when we do things that are harmful to the environment that, that change, if it's pollution, things like that, mm-hmm. then this is damaging someone mm-hmm. else's livelihood and sustenance. And so that's how, that's how I came to a better understanding. What does that look like? Um, it's a care for God's creation. As you said, environmentalism is very trendy in our society, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. And when we can look at it with this Catholic worldview, it's really practical ways to be able to, you know, if it's grocery bags, I'm taking my own reusable grocery bag to not contribute to, to plastic grocery bag waste in the landfill, sure. things like that. Use. Those are simple. Yeah. Those are simple ways that I can say, Oh, I'm going to reverence. I'm going to think beyond this grocery store trip and yeah. I'm going to think beyond where that bag is going to yep. go and what's going to happen and who that's going to affect. And I'm going to make a choice in Catholic social doctrine. I had heard someone say that every purchasing decision we make is a, a moral decision. Oh, wow. So I'm going to say also every use decision that yeah. we make is also, is also a moral decision. And, and yeah, th- to look through the eyes in terms of care for God's creation, it's not just 
Earth Day environmental stuff. It's there are vulnerable populations who suffer when we add to the excess and the waste um, of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Here we are in the 21st century as compared to two centuries ago. We are we are putting more in landfills. We have more single-use plastics, all these things. And so I'm, I'm not trying to change your political worldview or anything like that. But to have you start thinking that there is there is a repercussion. Yes, And yes. we may not feel it here in, you know, middle-class, upper-middle-class Lafayette, but pe- people do. And, yeah. and if we care for our brothers and sisters, then we would think about those things. Mm-hmm. All right, next one. Call to family, community, and participation. What? What does that mean? Sure. So the family, we know that the family is the basic cell of society. Again, being created in the image and likeness of God, God being one God, three persons. There, there is that, there is that social nature of God, that family, right? So the family is a reflection, marriage between a man and a woman with a child. This is a reflection, a tangible earthly reflection of the Trinity. And we know that this is the basic cell of society, whether or not we have faith, we know that the family is extremely significant to society. And if that family unit is healthy, then society is healthy. If the family, just like in a body, if a cell is cancerous, right, then the body goes the way of the cancer. So the family is that basic cell of society. If the family is healthy, society is strong. If the family is uh, excuse if the family is not healthy then society is not strong which we see so much of that today with the breakdown of families and and society going that way so this is why we are so so very concerned as catholics about the family and even in terms of our life of faith we call the family the domestic church domestic mm-hmm. meaning of the home the church of the home but the domestic church is the school of love the school of faith, the school of how do we relate to one another as human beings? How do we love one another? How do we respect and honor with one another? How do we, how do we give ourselves as a little community of, of persons to back to God and into service of our neighbor? So this is the family. Um, this comes into play in terms of how we serve others, let's say in Catholic charities, because we seek to keep those families united, right? So if someone comes us to us seeking shelter and in discussions, we learn that that person has a family who loves them and they're just running away from their family for whatever reason, they've burned a bridge and they're just running away. Our response is going to be, let's first try to reunite that person with their family. Mm-hmm. So, so this is very significant in terms of Catholic social doctrine. Family participation. Participation means that I have a duty to participate in society, a duty to participate in my own life, a duty and also a right to participate in society. So on a very natural level, uh, you had mentioned a myth that so, that sometimes people think they see a homeless individual, an individual experiencing homelessness, right? Laying, uh, let's say laying on our sidewalk at Catholic Charities. And sometimes people will think, oh, why isn't that person working? Okay. So we, we say, oh, this is a myth. You know, we, we talk about that. At the same time, I always like to nod to the fact that natural law, we understand that there is something that is essential to our humanity to 
participate. Mm -hmm. We see a person not participate and there is something off to us about that, right? And that is because of this idea that we have been created to participate. We have been created to participate in crafting the artwork of our own life. We've been uh, created to participate in discussions about our community and what happens with our life and what, you know, what happens with the trajectory of our society. And so participation, especially as it relates to those who are experiencing poverty, when people don't have the opportunity to do that, there's something that they are not being able to fulfill that they're called to fulfill. And then community, again, create being created in the image and likeness of God as social beings, we are social beings. We are called to community. This is why isolation and loneliness is so devastating for people because this is contrary to who we are as human beings. And so whether it's the community of the family, whether it's the community of families with one another, whether it's, uh, whether or not it's the community of the entire society, we are called, we are called to that regardless of our personality, whether we're introverts or extroverts or whatever it is, um, we're called to call to community. Mm -hmm. We've, we've had so many families who have involved themselves in what we do Yes, through a volunteer role, whether it's volunteering in one of our programs or putting together a, a drive for either uh, resources, in-kind donations, seeing those families respond to that call to community and participation has been beautiful. Yes, I, that is one of my favorite things to receive families who are volunteering or families who are donating to see uh, there. there's one child who has organized on his own a drive every year for socks and has provided hundreds and hundreds of socks annually to the Stella Mars Hygiene Center. Uh, and this is supported by his, his mother, supported by his family. And how beautiful is mm-hmm. that? People um, selling, doing a lemonade stand to raise, yep. <laughs> a child doing a lemonade stand to raise money for St. Joseph Diner and his parents helping him to do the social media promotions to That's make right. that happen. You know, there's something so, so beautiful about families, yeah. families stepping forward to serve in that way. I love it. So the next one would be rights and responsibilities. Again, getting into the, the deeper into these themes, um, there, there may be some misconceptions about what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, we take sociology, right, or social studies in school, and we learn about rights and responsibilities. And uh, there's something very good about that. We understand that human dignity can be protected and a healthy community can be achieved only if those rights are protected and responsibilities are met. So this is a both and. This is not, I have human rights and I'm going to trample over anyone to maintain them, Okay. right? And this is this is not, I have responsibilities and so I'm going to dispose of you to be able to fulfill my responsibilities. This is both and. We have rights and responsibilities and those are based on our human dignity. So something like the right to life, mm-hmm. right? That is a basic human right. The life uh, also basic human rights are that which sustains a dignified life. So this is housing, food, um, safe, safe shelter, health. Um, those, those are basic, basic human rights. And then our more, we have more sophisticated rights like private ownership of property, freedom, right to participate in society, the right to search for God and live in, in integrity, um, to search for God and truth and to live in integrity with that. 
So we have we have these rights. We also have these responsibilities. We are responsible to contribute to the good of society. We are responsible to attend to the common good. We are responsible to use our resources to help build up to society and to share with those in need. We have a responsibility to seek to correct sinful inequalities in our own families and in, in society yeah. at large. And so these go together. I often like to pose the question because I posed it to myself when I was learning, are human rights absolute? Because I think we see in our society today, there's often a lot of chatter and a lot of loud voices even about human rights. This is my right. This is my right. And some of the things may be actually human rights. And there is a certain absolute quality of if God has given me something of the right, it is my right. However, if I am exercising that right, in a way that is taking someone else's right mm-hmm. or that is not fulfilling my own responsibility, the absolute quality ends there, right? So if I have I have a right to safe, um, let's say, housing, right to adequate housing, I do not have a right to an $8 million home, right? Because in my choice to have an $8 million home, I am taking away what someone else needs for their existence, or let's say I have the right to, to freedom. Um, if I am exercising my freedom by drinking and speeding down the highway, I am taking someone else's freedom to be safe and have life and things like that. So those are basis common examples. But then of course we talk about moral weighty moral examples like, or let me not say that, more weighty things like, say, sure. abortion, sure. say, euthanasia, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, rights and responsibilities always go together. And uh, one of the scriptures that I love is in Galatians. It talks about we are created for freedom, brothers, mm-hmm. but we are, but do not use your freedom. I'm forgetting exactly how it says, but basically to indulge the flesh, but to serve one another in love. So my freedom is created to to offer my life as Christ did. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So the final one would be the dignity of work and rights of workers. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, how could you couch this? Dignity of work. <laughs> I like to think this, this to me was very eye-opening. When we think about creation in Genesis, God works in creation he uses, he, he, his creation is work. Our teenagers, right? Anyone who has teenagers and it's like, okay, time to do your chores. And they're like, oh, I can't believe you're, I can't believe you're making me do this horrible thing. No, actually work is good. Work mm-hmm. is a good. Okay. Sometimes work can get disordered. If it's too much, it ceases to be, to be a good, right? But work itself is a good. We are work and work is our human dignity is exercised through work, through imposing our creative abilities on the world around us. This is work that brings forth fruit and goodness. So if my creative abilities are um, paving a street, this is work. And this work is being used for the good of those around me to be able to travel through the neighborhood or, or through the town. Um, cultivating a garden is using this work to be able to bring forth you know, life from these seeds to be able to feed my family. So work is good. God labored. He created, he worked on the, the last day he rested, right? So there's this balance here, but we see someone, if someone doesn't have the ability or the opportunity to work, whether it's disability, 
whether it's say a mental illness that prevents them from being able to to work this is a great suffering and this is a great cross for them not only because they're not able to use their their time and their creative faculties to bring forth good but um in, in many instances, in those that we encounter, if they can't work, they can't provide for their basic needs. And there's something that is very, very, very burdensome about that. That this is not a this is not a a good thing. Work is work is dignified, and then the rights of workers, of course, in the industrial revolution. I had talked about that in another podcast. But work, uh, there is dignity in work, but work can also be exercised in a way that's disordered for example child labor mm-hmm. to and you know to enforce children laboring in a factory there's this is, ceases to be dignified and this is an issue then of the rights of the workers so if it's something that's contrary to the dignity of that of the human person um we're also concerned about that so let's say in catholic charities of acadiana someone comes to us experiencing homelessness and they are providing for their temporal needs because they are involved in sex work Mm-hmm. They're working, right? Again, I'm using my quote fingers here. Yeah. They're working. They're doing something that's prov- providing for their needs, but this is not dignified work. work. Right. And this is not, um, and then the rights of uh, work. Again, work is to benefit society. Humanity is not to benefit work. Or <laughs> That's a utilitarian view. So even in the workplace, to have just laws, just, uh, you know, limits on hours a person can work or certain benefits that employees receive that allow that person to be healthy and to prioritize their family and to make sure that there's a time of rest and it's not just constant drivenness. All of these things play into that theme. So Sarah, how do we tie all of this up, these seven themes of Catholic social doctrine? You know, Ben, I love to tie this up by thinking of the lives of the saints. Mm-hmm. Some people are interested in a more intellectual understanding. I don't think anyone can um, deny the lives of the saints living out Catholic social doctrine. We look of we Saint Mother Teresa. We talked about Saint Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. No one has to hear a word from her mouth, although what she speaks is very wise. People only have to look at her life and to see that. She wholeheartedly in love with the Lord and everything that she is doing for him has a direct impact on her neighbor who is mm-hmm. suffering. St. Mother Teresa, one of my f- recent favorite saints is a gentleman, St. Giuseppe Moscati, who was an Italian saint, coined the doctor of the poor, lay person, living in the world, exercising his profession had a conversion to see that there was great poverty around him and people's basic medical needs were not being met and so many other ills were happening, um, suffering in their lives because those basic medical needs were, were not met. And he responded. He responded at great cost himself. He even denied, actually, marriage because of giving himself to God in the faces of those who were suffering illness in the community. And he ended up... Uh, the receiving people into his home part of his prescriptions often were was money to be able to go buy groceries at the end of his life he was so given to those he was serving that he ended up selling some of the artwork and the different fixtures in his home to be able to provide money to those who were in need of food and and clothing and and basic medical things so saints like these we only have to look at the vivid picture 
of the lives of the saints to see Catholic social doctrine lived out. Whether or not we can explain it, whether or not we can articulate it, we can see it and we can recognize it. And so, so I think that's the way to tie this off. I think um, scripture in James, it says that faith without works is dead. Um, I see in the lives of the saints um, a beautiful faith, but one that didn't just necessarily hold themselves up and keep it to themselves. They, they acted. They, they, yes. they went out and they were a strong um, horizontal beam on that cross. Yes. And this is what conversion is. Conversion is encountering the Lord, truly encountering him. And then our life does a 180. We turn, turn encountering the Lord, turning away from the sin of, from sin and then turning toward the Lord and toward my brother. This is what a life of conversion is. And this is a life that we as Catholics are called to every day. Conversion is not just something that happens one time. Sometimes it happens several times in a person's life. The Franciscan's spirituality, which I happen to love, calls us to daily conversion mm. every single day. And especially as we talk about Catholic social doctrine, every moment of our decision-making really becomes an opportunity for conversion. Am I choosing for the Lord? Am I choosing for my neighbor? Am I choosing for myself? Um, yes. A lifelong process of transformation. Yes. Yes. Uh, a lifelong process of uh, turning from that inward look to looking yes. at those around us and yes. those who are suffering. And the lives of the saints are the ones who did it really well over time. Over time, slowly, 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 by the end of their lives, really gave themselves fully to the Lord yeah. and to, their, to, to others. Yeah, and seeing in the face of those who are suffering the face the of face Christ. The face of Christ, that's yeah. right. I'm Ben Broussard with Catholic Charities of Acadiana, and you just heard a conversation that I had with my colleague and friend, Sarah Bakke, the Community Engagement Coordinator for Catholic Charities of Acadiana. It was kind of a follow-up conversation that we originally had about Catholic social doctrine, what it is and what it's not, but this was more into what are the seven themes of Catholic social doctrine? It may have been a long time since you've heard someone talk about that. Uh, maybe you've never heard someone talk about it. It was for me. I, we, we talked about it a little bit in grade school, a little bit more in high school. But really, hearing this today, if you're anything like me, you're seeing it with fresh eyes, and you're hearing it with a renewed sense of hearing. I want to tell you, I am so grateful for each listener, for every supporter out there, those who volunteer with us, pray for us, pray for those that we serve, contribute monetarily with in-kind contributions. Um, Catholic Charities of Acadiana has been in operation since 1973, serving the needs of those who suffer. And we do not do this alone. So thank you for walking alongside us as we meet a greater need further out from the city streets of Lafayette out to every end of this eight parish region that we call the diocese. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Need to Serve, a podcast production of Catholic Charities of Acadiana. Catholic Charities of Acadiana cares for the sacred gift of all human life, especially the most vulnerable. You can learn more about us and our programs at catholiccharitiesacadiana.org. 
You got a question for me? Shoot me an email, ben at catholiccharitiesacadiana.org. Till next time on the Need to Serve podcast, I'm your host, Ben Broussard. We'll see you.